Thanks for listening to the Faith Assembly podcast. If you're in the Orlando area, we hope you're able to join us for one of our services. Please check out faithassembly.org for more information or follow us on social media at faithORL. We hope this message will be an inspiration to help you find all that God has for your life. Enjoy the message. Uh, How many of you are ready for the word tonight? We've had an amazing night, by the way. The Lord has moved in a mighty way, but there's more, right? We were praying, Lord, we want you more and more. We were singing that. And so if you came here on a Wednesday night, you already drove in, made the effort. Let's ask God for more. Amen? All right. Also, we want to pray. Pastor Johnny was asking uh, us if he could pray for him. He was invited to to preach at the uh, Youth Peninsula of Florida uh, camp. And they asked him to minister baptism of the Holy Spirit. So he's doing that tonight. Uh, He sends his greetings, but he said, please tell the church to pray that the Holy Spirit would be poured on our young people tonight. So we're going to pray for the message, and we're going to pray for the baptism of the Holy Spirit in camp. Amen? Amen. Bow your heads with me. Let's go to the Lord. Father, we thank you for your Holy Spirit. Uh, Literally, we feel your presence. We feel that incredible backing and anointing and and just your companionship and your power. We feel like we can move mountains, Lord, in this atmosphere of faith and Holy Spirit. We thank you, Father, for the opportunity to speak your word and open up the Bible. We know, Lord, that when we do that, you give us fresh bread to eat. I pray you give us fresh bread to eat, that our souls may be nourished, Father. We thank you for Pastor Johnny, Lord, our lead pastor, what he gets to do tonight. I just ask you to, right now, wherever he's at, wherever those young people are right now, Father, for your Holy Spirit to pour, Lord, to calm down like thunder. Earlier today, we was thundering. I pray that kind of surprising power that would just, Lord, pour in so strong and in such a way and so heavy that there would be not, not dozens, but hundreds of young people baptized in the Holy Spirit tonight. Use him, Lord, with a mighty word. Put a sword of your spirit in his mouth. I pray you use him in a mighty way. We pray this in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. So, let's get to it. I want to tell you a story that I read recently in a book uh, that I read. The book was called The Tipping Point. It's by Malcolm Gladwell. It's one of my favorite authors. And he is uh, discussing the topic of how things go viral, right? How things become famous. And so, he talks about this story of uh, shoes called Hush Puppies, okay? Uh, Anybody familiar with Hush Puppy shoes? Okay, some of you, yes. Famous back in the day, maybe 60s, it was a thing. Uh, They're kind of like, you know, Oxford-type grandpa shoes. They're great, whatever. And so what happened is that with time, those shoes became less and less famous, and nobody was using Hush Puppy shoes. And so what happened is that Early 90s, all right, actually in 1994, a group of, I would say, stylish young people in the west side of downtown Manhattan decided, we think hush puppies are cool. And so they began wearing hush puppies again. 
Now, they were in a club, and a few uh, dozen of them were wearing these shoes and hanging out. And so, apparently, that same night, there were some fashion editors that were visiting that club, and they were surprised, amazed, impressed by these shoes and the way they were using them. And they said, we think those shoes are the coolest thing ever. And so, they actually went back to California and did a whole spread on a magazine about hush puppies and how awesome they are. What happened was incredible and unexpected. The company, Hush Puppies, was almost going bankrupt in the early 90s. In fact, those shoes were only sold like in an outlet mall here and there, and not a lot of people were buying them. But after this article came out and after this thing became hip and cool all of a sudden, now there were hundreds and hundreds and millions of Hush Puppy shoes being sold, and they, they, that company like sold millions of Hush Puppy pairs in the 90s, early 90s, because of those young people that began wearing them. And so I was thinking to myself, because the 90s are back, I probably Hush Puppies are back. I don't know. They probably are. I'm just, I just threw that in there for you. Um, but how do things become viral, right? That is the question. How do viral videos become viral? How do they become famous? How do, why, why do some ideas spread like wildfire? Some don't. Some books people write, it's like nobody reads them. But some people write books and they spread like wildfire. What is the common denominator among all those things becoming viral? The common denominator among all things is people. Say with me, people. people. Say with me, Relationships. People make things viral. Relationships, proximity, close contact is what causes things to become viral. I want to talk a little bit today and continue on our study of Romans. We're actually in the book of Romans, Romans 1. I want to talk a little bit about Paul and how the gospel spreads or grows. Paul, the apostle, and how the gospel spreads and grows. Are you ready? Yeah, three people are ready. Nah, that's not going to work. Let's try that again. Are you ready? Yes. All right, let's do it. Paul was a beast of a man. And I can say that because he was. He was a force to be reckoned with. He was, he was stubborn and strong and, 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 you know, an intellectual. And he worked hard and he fought when he was, did not know the Lord. He fought hard against the church. He persecuted the church, actually. His name was Saul back then. Saul was just stubborn. And uh, I wonder, I know we read in Acts 22 his conversion story. But I wonder how many times before that the Lord tried to get Saul's attention. I don't know, but I wonder even in my own life how many times the Lord tried to get my attention before I gave my heart to him when I was 15 years old. I bet you he was like, hey, Saul. Saul, I love you. Like, huh? Hey, Saul, I have a plan for you. Huh? I don't know. I just see Paul just kind of rejecting the Lord's promptings. And I just, the Lord loves Saul. Let me just say it. He loves him, but he's not paying attention. And guys, I'm, I'm just, I'm using some freedom. Just run with me on this one. Uh, there's a point in which he, 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 the Lord is like, enough is enough. You're going to listen to me. I've tried the sweet way. I've tried the nice way. I'm going to go the rough way because this is the only way you're going to understand. How many of you sometimes the Lord has to deal with you in a rough way? Like you tr he tries to talk to you one way, the second way. He's sweet. He's good. He's merciful. He's kind. 
But when he wants to get our attention, he'll do what must be done to get us to obey and pay attention to what he's trying to tell us. And so there's a moment in which he just like topples him, like he's on his way to Damascus, he's breathing threats. The Lord topples him off the horse. He like, like takes him on the ground. The Lord chokes him on the neck and is like, you're going to obey. That's my version, okay? He's blind. He's on the floor. <laughs> he's a mess. I mean, this guy was, I, like, again, I feel like he's a beast, and I mean that, like, figuratively. So the Lord's like, like, why are you persecuting me? Like, dude, like, stop it. He even blinded his eyes to get its full attention so his senses will be fully heightened to the voice. It's like, I'm trying to talk to you. I need you. Believe it or not, you're my instrument for my glory. And I'm going to use you to spread the gospel among the nations. Finally, Paul listened to the Lord and, 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 and God got Paul's attention. Then Ananias comes in, a brother. We don't hear much about him other than he was the guy that came by. It's like, the Lord spoke to him and said, hey, Saul just got saved. I need you to go disciple him. He said, what? He said, who got saved? Saul. Okay. And Saul, I'm sure, dressed himself with, whew, I mean, Ananias dressed himself with, like, you know, protection of the Holy Spirit because he's thinking, I'm going to get my head chopped. And he goes with love and with relationships, talks to him, tells him what happened, disciples him, lays hands on him. And by the way, he receives sight after Ananias prays for him. He disciples him in his early walk. And he gives him a word. He says, you've been called as a voice to the Gentiles. And Paul, you're going to travel really, really far, really, really far. I just love that prophecy because it became true. So that is the story of how Paul all of a sudden finds himself uh, in, 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 this, in this biblical narrative of the, of the beginning of the birth of the church and the spread of the gospel. He comes along about 14 years after Jesus, but he's right there still in the beginning. And, and, and after he receives that call, he becomes a stalwart supporter of the gospel. He becomes like a, like a beast, but for Jesus. How many of you know what I'm talking about? I, I, uh, there's some of us that when we are not saved, we're passionate and crazy and do wild, adventurous things for the world. But when we come to the Lord, we're like, eh. We're like, we're like, we're like soft. But God wants to use all of you. Let me repeat that again. God wants to use all of you. And that's a word for somebody. No matter how you are made, maybe you're stubborn, maybe you're like, a, a, maybe you're a brain, maybe you're inquisitive in your mind, maybe you're extremely creative, maybe you're a person that does not give up with insane tenacity. No one has tenacity like you. God needs all those gifts to use them for his glory and for the expansion of the gospel. So don't let... Yeah, don't let the Lord come and then you just become this like inactive, passive, non-action person. But use all that you are, mistakes and all, God's going to use all that for his glory. He's going to turn it around for his glory. Can I get an amen? amen? So just say, God, use me. Let's just start like that. Lord, God, use me. Use me. Lord. Use everything about me, I pray. The good, the bad, and the ugly. Turn it around for your glory, I pray in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. All right, let's keep going. So 
Paul was the Bible's first missionary, after Jesus, of course. And he traveled extensively throughout Asia Minor preaching Jesus. He is uh, planting churches. He's like an international church planter, literally a missionary, right? That's what they do. And so he's settling or setting different churches throughout Europe and Asia. He goes on one trip, comes back to Antioch, which is the base of the actual early church. Then on the second trip, he spends one year in Corinth. And in that one year that he's in Corinth, in Greece, by the way, uh, he is, that's when he writes the book of Romans. By the way, he has not met the Romans yet. When he writes Romans, he has not been to Rome yet. He's writing to them because he wants to go see them, but he's writing to them from Greece. Are you with me so far? Yes. All right. What I want to talk about is how did the gospel move through Asia and through Europe? How did the gospel move around the world? How did the gospel become viral? Well, it, 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 it happened through people and relationships. Say with me, people, people. and relationships. It's the same situation. It is people who move the good news of Jesus from one place to another. See, when Jesus came, and in this whole early church type of uh, season of history, the Roman Empire had created a set of roads, uh, an incredible set of roads that allowed travel throughout all of the Roman Empire with ease. There was actually paved roads that people could walk in and not crazy dirt or obstacles. And so they created an entire network of roads where people can walk. And so some theologians believe this is why Jesus came during this time to earth. Because the stage was set up for the gospel to be preached and spread with ease through these Roman network of roads. Some people say that's why the Lord sent his son during that time. But this set of Roman roads became an incredible vehicle for the gospel to flow and spread like wildfire. And so the gospel is growing and the gospel is expanding. In Romans 1, Pastor Stani introduced what the gospel is. And he uh, basically covered a couple of verses from 1 uh, through, uh, through 8. I'm going to cover for Romans, Romans 1, verses 8 through 16. And the topic that I want to delve into is called, How do we live out the gospel of Jesus so that it grows? How do we live out the gospel of Jesus so that it grows? I'm going to give you some super practical ways in which we can live out the gospel so that it can grow. How many of you want the gospel to grow? Yeah. Okay, okay, we're good. I'm preaching to the right crowd. All right. Let's do it. Number one, the gospel grows when we share it. Say with me, share it. Verses 8 and 9 says, First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because your faith is being reported all over the world. God, whom I serve in my spirit in preaching the gospel of his son, is my witness how constantly I remember you. And so Paul is talking about how faith has become global. I hear of your faith, he tells to the Romans, from all over the world. Like, this faith has become a global faith. Eh, it's an ad. Yeah, I know. Uh, this faith has become a global faith. That's what we preach. That's what, how, what, what's the name of our missions department here. It, faith wasn't made just to stay in your heart. Let me say that again. Faith was not meant to remain in your heart. Oh, I have faith. Oh, I believe. 
yeah, I'm a Christian, and the belief stays here or here. It's internal. Faith was made so that it could be shared and expanded and, and exposed to others. Like, you need to make a decision to let faith out of your heart so that you can share it so that others get to hear of the faith you have. Because if it stays in your heart or if it stays in your mind, it stays internal. Like, no one gets to hear about it. Do you understand? So we need to make a decision Man, we need the gospel to grow. How can we do it? By sharing it. And I'm talking sharing it in the most natural, simple, day-to-day ways. We don't need to come up with some, oh, does that mean I need to preach? No, share your faith. Share your story. Share your testimony wherever you go. Tell somebody. Pastor John was saying about that. Like, share it. Say it. Like, just tell someone about God's goodness. Like, on your way home, if you pump gas, tell the guy that you pay the gas to. Say, yeah, God is, cra- God is crazy, but, you know, God's providing for my life, and, he, you know, he's good to me. He loves you. I don't know. Share something. Like, tell him what happened in church, but just don't keep it inside of you, right? I think there was so much passion inside Paul. It says, he talks about Jesus whom I serve in my spirit. I feel like he's saying like, this Jesus is so deep in my bones, I cannot help but share about him. I cannot help but speak about him. I cannot help but my mouth to open so I can share, share, and share, and others may know. So we see Paul's passion. That is something that we need to emulate. Paul did say like, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Like, 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 we should have and ask God for the same passion so that we can share it. Can I get an amen on that? All right, let's live this out. Number two, the gospel grows when we move in the ministry of prayer. Say with me, prayer. Prayer. Verse 10, it says, I remember you in my prayers at all times, and I pray that now at last by God's will, the way may be open for me to come to you. So, like I said, Paul knew of the Roman church, but Paul had not met the Roman church. He had not met people personally yet. The Christian faith was spreading like wildfire. He had heard of the faith of the Roman church, but he wants to go visit them. But while he gets there, he's not crossing his arms. While he gets there, guess what he can do? He can pray for them. Let me tell you, there is power in prayer. Mm, Two of you believe that. I said there is power in prayer. And we could pray long distance. Did you know that? I know maybe long distance relationships don't work. And I mean that in your love life. But prayer does work in long distance. And so before he gets to Rome, he's fervently praying, fervently asking God, fervently going before the Lord. God bless the church. Like I can't wait to see you. Like I, 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 I yearn to see you. I go to the Lord for you. Like activate that ministry of prayer ministry uh missionary intercession is important like we need to be praying for others not just for us and our family and our finances like if all we pray is lord god bless me bless my house and bless my kids like you limited your prayer so much there's so much more than us and our family can i get any man on that one there's a whole world of believers there's missionaries that are serving in the world and they need our prayers is why we spend some time praying Because when we pray, the gospel grows. It's as simple as that. When we pray, the gospel grows. And so I'll give you you a, a commercial. Every Sunday at 1025, there's a group called Global Faith Prayer. And they meet and they pray for missionaries. Why do we do that? Because we believe in prayer. That's why. And we have had some crazy testimonies of God answering prayer during during that little group that meets every Sunday. So 
Prayer works. Uh, I want to just remind you, don't just pray for missionaries, which is awesome. Don't just pray for your families. Are you praying for Pastor Johnny? Like, are you praying for your leadership in the church? I hope you are. I hope you are because we know that we need prayer to do the work of the gospel. Amen? Amen? Number three, the gospel grows when we are in personal relationship with others. All right? Verse 11 and 12 says, I long to see you so that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to make you strong. So he not only wants to see them and he's praying for them long distance, but he's yearning for the moment in which they could meet in person so that he could have one-on-one ministry time. Because there is a very important aspect of our faith, and that is that it needs to occur or happen in relationship or in community. The gospel was meant to be lived out in community. My faith is not meant to be so private, so individual, that I'm like a lone ranger for Jesus. Oh, the Spirit only talks to me. God talks to me. The Lord's my teacher, me only. I don't need anybody else. Yikes, I get scared when I hear people talk like that. Don't do that. Live your faith out with other believers. Link arm with another Christian and walk the Christian faith. And when it gets really hard, get two Christians and walk the Christian faith together. That's how the gospel is meant to be lived in community. Because if I feel like falling, guess what? If I'm holding somebody's hand, I'm not going to fall. But woe to the person who has no one to fall like too, because I'm living in, not in community, not in proximity. And I'm in proximity to the point where you can lay hands on somebody. I want to encourage those who are watching us online. I love that you're connecting online, and God bless you, and I thank you for doing that. But you have an incredible potential to come here in person and enjoy this experience in person, like life, full color. And we would love to pray for you and lay hands on you because we believe in the ministry of prayer and proximity, right? And so come, come physically too and be a part of the service, not just online. So we love you, but come, come in person, amen? amen. All right. So this is why coming to the physical church, like, like it's still a thing, okay? We need proximity enough to lay hands. This is why connect groups are still a thing. Anybody in connect groups? Anybody in cadences? Like incredible stuff happens in those groups because there's that physicality where we're with each other and we're ministering and laying hands, laying hands. Um, We need one another. Let me say it again. We need one another. The spirit of the world is, I'm independent. I can do things by myself. I'm my own person. I'm the master of my ship, the captain of my soul. And the Lord is like, no, actually I depend on others. I need help. I need my brother and my sister. Like, I need to walk this together. I can't do it by myself. I depend on Jesus and on my fellow believers to help move, go forward in my faith. Amen? Amen. Okay. Some of you are like, really? I didn't know that. So, Paul is excited to impart a gift. It, 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 by him saying his excitement and his, his, the way he expresses this, it lets me know that there's a gift that has to be imparted that can only happen through an actual physical laying of hands. Like I can pray for a gift, God bless my sister. But there's something powerful and special about laying hands. Did you know we lay hands every single time we meet as a church? You don't believe me? When we open these altars, we're laying hands on people all the time. 
because we believe in the power of laying hands. Guys, this is not a mystical thing. This is not a magic. There's no power in my hands. It's Jesus flowing through me, right? Like, that's the deal. By the way, I heard a prayer last week that impacted me. A lady was saying, Lord, make me your plumbing. I'm like, what is she saying? And when she explained it, right, remember that? She was saying, I just want to be a vessel. Let that spirit flow. Let those words flow. Let that anointing flow. Let the giftings flow. Make me a plumbing. Make me your plumbing, Lord. I'm like, I love that. I'm going to stop praying that. That's a good prayer. But let's have enough fellowship, community, and, and relationship that we can actually minister to each other and impart hands on each other and believe that we receive a gift. Let's, let's be... Let's be, let's be believers that are like hands-on. You know what I'm saying? Not like so, like, God, if I may, you may bless the brother. I'm just like, let's just pray bolder prayers and like actively, physically doing it. There is something about that physicality. We see it taught, not only with Paul, we saw it with Jesus laying hands. Actually, I was reading how Joshua was so successful as a successor of Moses. And it says that from this moment... I actually, I have the scripture. So the Lord told Moses, take Joshua, son of Nun, a man in whom the spirit of leadership is, and lay your hand on him. After Moses laid his hand on Joshua, his leadership rose up to higher levels that he had never experienced. And he's able to do some crazy things because of the laying of hands. So I'm talking, this is Old Testament, New Testament, and, and, and 2022. Amen? All right. I think we got it. The gospel grows when people are together, guys. And so... Uh, just remember that. Next, the gospel grows when we encourage one another. Verse 12, the Bible says, That is that you and I may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. I love Paul's excitement for ministry. I love his humility. Like, he's the apostle Paul. And he's like, I can't wait to be encouraged. Like, I'm like, I love that. How cool is that? Like, how humble is he? Like, as I, as I pray for you, by the way, pray for me too. Lay hands on me. There's this mutual encouraging that needs to happen. Like, we should, like, our words should be seasoned with encouragement. Like, encouragement is the fuel of our faith. Like, we should speak in, uh, words that are blessing, affirmation, faith, scripture over each other. Like I said hi to Andrew a uh, few minutes. He's like, I'm praying for you. God's going to use you. That's always Andrew. He's always encouraging. will always give you a word to lift you up. There's just people who have the gift of encouragement. Now, it doesn't mean that only people who have the gift of encouragement should encourage. Everyone should encourage. For some of you, maybe take some effort. You're a little shy. That's okay. Speak a word of encouragement. Listen, we have a choice when we talk with each other. If I see you today, I can talk to you about 10 bad news, Seven ministry scandals, there's plenty. We can talk about it, and we'll get depressed with each other. Because there's are out there, and there's many. And we can literally spend hours talking about that. But I feel like that's a waste of time. Like, I'd rather be like, what's God doing in your life? What has, what has he been telling you lately? Ooh, I can't, let me tell you what happened to me the other day. I was praying, and I felt this. Like, that is speech that lifts and builds and encourages and, and, and makes people walk taller. That's how we should live and walk. And so he's saying, man, I can't wait to be mutually encouraged. And so the gospel grows when we encourage one another. Yeah. Next, the gospel grows when we trust God. 
Verse 13, I do not want you to be unaware, brothers and sisters, that I plan many times to come to you, but have been prevented from doing so until now, in order that I may have a harvest among you, just as I have had among other Gentiles. I want to submit to you that sometimes, and you know this, you pray and doors open quickly or easily. And there's sometimes that you pray and the door doesn't open. So what are you going to do when your prayer is not answered? Are you going to pout like a kid? Are you going to have a hissy fit? Or are you going to wait and trust the Lord? Paul really wants to go to Rome, but he's been prevented. Life, situations, trials, even the Lord. Not there. And when he's writing this, he can't go there. He really wants to, but he can't go there yet. But it's like, I can't wait. Like, I'm almost there. Like, there's this, like, ah. But I just love that he trusts God through it because he knows he'll get to see them soon. And we just need to live and carry that kind of faith. That's faith, that encouragement makes the gospel grow. Can I get an amen? amen. The gospel grows when we practice radical obedience. Say with me, radical obedience. Radical obedience. Mm, I want that a little louder because that's a, that's a tough phrase, right? I talk to my kid about quick obedience. Like when I ask you to do something, it's not tomorrow, it's not next week, it's now. Quick obedience, right? There's that. That's a parental obedience deal issue. I'm talking, well, the Lord may require that from us as well as, as our dad, but I'm talking about radical obedience. This is whatever the Lord told me to do, I'm going to do it. Even if it costs me. That's the part I need to add. Verse 14, it says, I am obligated both to Greeks and non-Greeks, both to the wise and to the foolish. That is why I'm so eager to preach the gospel also to you who are in Rome. And so there is uh, this eagerness of Paul to preach like God called them. That call was internalized. That fire was lit. And he's going. Like he's going. I'm talking this is before, before airplanes. And he's like covering major continents. Okay, there is a radical obedience. He understands that the man who met him on the road to Damascus must be obeyed. You don't bargain with Jesus. You say, yes, sir. Because the man that has the authority to kick me off my horse and give me a chokehold, kidding, should be obeyed. Like he's, Jesus gives us words like, don't fear those who can kill the body. Feel the one that can throw your body in hell. We don't like to preach about that stuff, but Jesus is saying, like, are you serious? Like, I, like fear, you're freeing them. Fear me. Do what I say. Yee, help us, Lord. This was not without cause. Paul paid with his life. Like, he paid with beatings and persecutions and, like, whippings and shipwrecks and like not sleeping, and tiredness, and he would also like sell leather on the side to kind of support to his ministry, so he's like double duty type doing this thing to, to really make it happen and go. I mean, the man is putting his all, and I, all I see with him is radical obedience, and we should applaud radical obedience. Amen. With that in mind, I do want to encourage the Williams, right? They're here missionaries. When they say yes to the Lord, you know, we should applaud them. 
That's why we applaud to missionaries. So let's applaud to the Williams right now for the radical obedience. It's not because they're going to Japan, but it's because they actually are doing what all of us should do, which is leave it all and do what he says, whatever that may mean in your context and your life in the Lord's uh, direct direction to you, all right? All right, so the gospel also grows when we are not ashamed. Say with me, not ashamed. Verse 16, Romans 1, 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew, then to the Gentile. I just want to say something really simple. Decide that you are not going to be ashamed of the gospel. The gospel is counter-cultural. The gospel is not popular. I was reading like what, what professions are admired, you know, in clergy used to be like top three 30 years ago. Now clergy's like, I don't know, 45. It's like, gee, the gospel is not, it's not admired. In fact, it is hated many, in many ways and in many circles out there, right? And so we need to decide, though the world thinks not less, but really bad about the gospel. They call us haters and whatever names are out there for us. We need to decide, despite what other people may call me, what other words people may say about me, I'm not ashamed. I'm not ashamed. I'm not ashamed of whom I believe. I'm not ashamed of the man of Damascus. I'm not ashamed of him. I'm not. And so that needs to like, get inside of your bones if we are to live the Christian life in a successful way. When he is telling Rome, because this is a letter that is being read in Rome, he's saying, I am not ashamed of the gospel because that's where God's power resides. It's in the gospel. It's in that story that Jesus died, came, died, rose, coming back. It's in that gospel story that the power is. And so, you know, the audience, Rome is quite a sophisticated civilization. They have reached incredible heights of sophistication in government and literature and organization and economics and architecture. I mean, this is a sophisticated city. And he's telling Rome, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Oh, but gospel's so rugged. Cross is so pedestrian. It's like blood and wood and it's like primeval. Yee. He's like, I'm not ashamed of that. That's what I'm all about. I don't care how sophisticated you are, Rome. I don't care what society is in front of you or what level they have reached. We are the people of the cross. And don't try to be so, so sophisticated that you make less of the gospel. Let me tell you, sometimes we get into this whole trap of sophistication because we are living in a society that is prosperous. And we live in a society that has order and, for the most part, governmental order. And, you know, we have things in our homes with brand names like Teslas or Nespresso's or iRobots or Dyson's. And we just kind of like, you know, I kind of use, I only vacuum with Dyson. Or I, I don't know. I don't know. And, like, we, we start this thing where it's like, you know, it, like, gets inside of us and it's like, 
We think we're this. And God's like, don't forget about the simplicity of, of who you serve. Like, it's about the cross, and it's about blood and nails. And so we have to counterbalance that. It's not like God, I'm not saying that stuff is bad. Knock yourself out and, and, and buy a Dyson fan that is $900. That's cool. But don't be so sophisticated that you move away from the old rugged cross. Let's not do that as believers. So the gospel is going to grow if we like stick to that original story and we live it. And we leave it out every single day. Can I get an amen on that? So uh, I remember that this verse, uh, Romans 1.16, is the first, ber- uh, the first verse I ever memorized. I was 15 years old, and I didn't know Scripture. Um, and so I wanted to learn Scripture, and I learned Romans 1.16. And so I was attending Calvary Church in Winter Park. That's where I started serving the Lord. And so they said, hey, there's a mission strip. This is back in the day. I said, yeah, let's do it. I was barely saved, by the way. Not even one year. Barely saved. And they invited me to a mission. I even said, you sure you want me to go to a mission strip? Like me? I have mercy and grace for people who are in their journey and their process when they go to a mission trip, because God's not looking for perfect people. God's looking for willing people. Okay. So someone saw somehow an opportunity in me, and they said, yeah, let's go. So, by the way, Dr. V, you were in that trip in Venezuela, 1991. Whoop, whoop. Okay. So we're there, and I, I only know one verse. I only got saved a year ago. I'm barely a Christian, guys, still struggling with a million things in my faith because I'm trying to figure out this Christianity thing. And we go to Caracas, Venezuela, and we are in the Plaza Bolivar. And we're in this big plaza, and there's hundreds of people walking around. And they said, okay, so Marcos, today you preach. And I said, excuse me, come again? What did, what did you just say? You preach today. You, you preach. You have the message. And I love it. I love this radical discipleship back in the day. We need to get to that. Um, back to that. So I, I get my Bible, and I, I didn't have time to prepare. So all I remember was the one verse I had memorized. So guess what my message was? It was a three-point message. And I said this before, but some of you may have not heard it. My first message was this. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of salvation for those who believe. Second point. No me avergüenzo del evangelio porque es poder de salvación para todo aquel que crea. Al judío primeramente y después al griego. I mean, I knew it in Spanish. That's why I actually said it. Um, third point, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Same, same verse. I screamed it to the top of my lungs. That was my message. But when you have passion and when you, when you and your new, like, first love and the Lord's moving in your life, he'll use Whatever you think is simple or unlearned or uneducated or even barely Christian. And that three-point message, when I said, who wants to receive Jesus? Like almost 400 people raised their hands to accept Jesus. Like I almost fell, literally fell back because I'm going, what is this? My, like I just, guys, literally at that moment I said, wow, I want to do this for the rest of my life. That's how I knew, that's why I fell in love with missions, by the way. Um, it was that. Um, so anyway, simplicity, guys, the simplicity of the gospel. Don't be ashamed of it. 
Embrace it, live it. Don't try to make it so cool that you actually become like not Christian, right? You, you go beyond the Christian faith trying to make it so cool. Don't do that. <clears throat> Next, last. The gospel grows when our entire life is lived by faith. Verse 17 says, For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. So I want to just remind you that the only way to live this Christian life is by faith. So if you thought you had a lot of burdens in you today, you came to service, you're like, man, I was fighting in the parking lot. I was like stressing in the car. Like I got this email today. Like, man, I really can't get my mind off that one text. Like that, that stuff is real. That's pressure. That's life. That's, that's annoyingness that we deal with on a day-to-day. Besides that, you have to live your life by faith. Like, despite that, you have to come here and enter his courts with praise and love him and sing to him and take all these burdens and be like, all right, God, here you go. They're in the altar. I can't carry them. I'm going to cast your burdens right there because I got to worship the Lord. And there's junk on me. Oh, my gosh. But I can't, like, live with that in me. The righteous shall live by faith. The righteous shall live by the righteous shall live by faith. Believe it. Believe it. So walk in that faith and live it out. That's how the gospel grows. When people see you living your life by faith, despite all your challenges and limitations, man, the gospel explodes. How do you think the gospel was exploding all over Europe? Like, like churches just growing and bursting all throughout Asia Minor. It's because there were some believers that decided that they were going to live the gospel by faith. And so... Let's, let's do that, even in an antagonistic environment that we live in. Amen? I hope you enjoyed listening to the Faith Assembly podcast. Thank you for joining us in pursuit of growing closer to Christ. Stay tuned for more messages released every week. God bless.